Welcome back to the Books Brothers Podcast, where each week we read, discuss, and challenge each other to become better men and have a few laughs in the process. The Books Brothers are currently reading The Mask of Masculinity, how men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their lives to the fullest, written by Lewis Howes. This week, Garrett leads our discussion as we unpack the Joker mask. In the episode, we learn how men hide behind being a jokester or a funny guy and break down how men use comedy to cover up feelings associated with pain, not fitting in, and or staying relevant amongst others. After the show, please share your comments and feedback on the chapters by emailing us at connect at booksbrotherspodcast.com. Hey, I'm going to say it. If I haven't shared yet, I'm going to say it now. On this date, November 1st, 2023, I think there will be a product that's actually made based on these made up ads. Guys, so I wasn't kidding. Like, I just got back from Italy and we bounced around. We spent like four or five days in Rome and then did like two kind of big excursions like with a bus with 14 of us and we had a six hour drive and i i would be like give me what's a problem you need solved i'll write an ad and i would come back with like (laughs) after five minutes later and i stopped the whole bus 14 people and like read on my ad and the whole bus was just cracking up and then (laughs) you know my structure how i'm like are you blah 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 uh, or blah 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 now introducing blah, blah, blah. And I literally got like four people all throughout the rest of our trip. They'd come up to me and they'd be like, Rob, are you tired of blah, blah, blah? (laughs) (laughs) So last year on the way to Rob's bachelor party, I was in the airport. I think it was in Austin. It may have been Dallas. I don't quite remember, but I was just in line to get coffee, trying to kill time, waiting for Flez and other people to get there so we can carpool to the Airbnb. But I kept seeing. So you, so you could ice everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was just standing in line to get coffee, and it was a long line. And these people just like kept walking up to this person behind me. And I was like, yeah, they probably just know each other from something. And then this one guy in particular walked up and he's like, he brought out his phone. He's like, taking a picture, a selfie with him. And I turned around and it was. JP Sears that he mentions in this chapter, the redheaded long hair comedian, YouTube comedian. Hmm. Hmm. You've probably seen some of his videos, look him up. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I was standing it's right cool. in front of him so in you line. you knew who he was or were, just like clicked all of a sudden? I recognized the guy. Uh, so I recognized him, but I didn't know from where at first. I looked him up later in the airport. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Books Brothers podcast. Really excited for the conversation today, talking about the Joker mask. Boys, good to see everybody. Uh, I'm glad, glad everyone's nice, here. Nice uh, shirt there, by the way, Garrett. Yeah, hey. I keep all my dad jokes. In a database. It's amazing how <laughs> you become a dad and it's literally like a switch that's flipped. You just think of these jokes and they just come. It's it's amazing. Um <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, man, you're good. You're good. So thanks for the joke. See, there we go. Um, 
I'm not hiding behind anything with that statement. But in all seriousness, (laughs) um, (laughs) I mean, maybe we'll have to decode a lot of things because, yeah, this week we are talking about the Joker mask. I think we're over halfway through the book. Uh, We're on the tail end of it. Uh, One of the last few masks that Lewis Howes addresses. And just from some of the text messages that have gone on, uh, some of the discussion we've had before recording this, it sounds like a lot of guys on this call identify with this mask a lot. And I know I do, uh, not just for myself, but also with my family. And so it's going to be a good conversation and I'm excited to dive in. As we typically do, I'll go ahead and give a bit of a recap and we'll dive into the conversation. So with the Joker mask, many men choose to hide behind a joke rather than share in true vulnerability and openness. Uh, In this chapter, the author talks a lot about the life and tragic death of Robin Williams. Uh, That was a key component of the reading. Bringing others joy through laughter can often help us forget about the hard things that we're currently dealing with. But are we doing this to ultimately deflect our true thoughts? Robin Williams seemed to be loved by all and brought us a lot of joy through his movies. But we learned throughout his life he dealt with cocaine and alcohol dependence as well as severe depression. This is a common trend, maybe not the exact drug, but um, it's a common trend with individuals, not just in comedy, um, oftentimes in comedy, but also outside of it in our own lives for those of us who are not full-time comedians. Uh, Specifically with comedians, the author talks about some data and some people, some psychologists he interviewed about how comedians are more likely to have chaotic upbringings, which lead to increased likelihood of schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and anxiety. Uh, But this doesn't just apply specifically to comedians. The author also shares a conversation uh, with one of those professors he interviews. The professor talks about her personal experience with her son and how he and his friends will hurl insults at each other, which he and his friends justify with the statement at the end, quote, just kidding. It's here that Lewis shares the commonly heard phrase, quote, hurt people, hurt people. He continues to discuss how men struggle to sit in an emotional moment and use humor to ease the tension. The chapter ends with a clarification on humor, just like almost every mask we've discussed The importance of joy, laughter, and positive expression. Being a joker, comedian is not in and of itself bad, and it has its good place. But he asks a very good question. Are we using humor to avoid serious reflection as well as sarcasm to distance ourselves from others? Or does our humor add to the joy of our life and those close to us? So to open it up, guys, uh, in the chapter, Lewis says, quote, I didn't think I could contribute intelligence to my friend groups, whatever circle he was in. So instead, I brought humor, especially around my family. So can you all relate to that at all? So I think for me, Garrett, I'm hung up a little bit on the word intelligence. I don't know if I necessarily struggled with that as much. If anything, it would be relevance or significance. Adam I, or Stalen, I know I kind of talked with you a little bit about that word significance. It's kind of been popping up um, this past year with just things in my life, whether that's at work or whether that's 
you know, my wife doing a show with people that have had success on Netflix shows on Broadway and, and almost feeling less significant as a man, because I do a totally different trade that thousands of people aren't coming to adore me or, uh, you know, come watch me. Um, and so there's been these like feelings of significance of, will people forget about me or will I stay relevant within certain friends or certain friend groups? And how do I, you know, make up for that? And, you know, with me, with that question, it's, it's less of intelligence and it's more around how do I stay funny? How do I stay relevant within people in my life so that they know that, Hey, if anything, you know, Rob's going to bring a good time. Rob's going to bring laughter. Um, I think there's some pain behind that realization, but I think that there's also joy in it too. Um, just talking about to you guys about my Rome pilgrimage over the past week, like, sure. Yeah. Maybe there was an opportunity for me to stay relevant within a group of 14 people and to let them know that I can contribute to the group. Uh, but at the same time, man, we had a ball creating these fake ads <laughs> and it was a lot of fun and it, it brought a lot of joy at yeah, the same time. For sure. Well, yeah. That's kind of how yeah. I, uh, approach the question. Yeah, Rob, I've seen, I, I feel like I've seen you get more reflective over the years. I, I feel like in, in college, I, I kind of just recall you wanting to like joke around a lot. I remember you being like, but you also had like the switch that you would turn on when you would do school stuff, but it was like funny Rob, like playful Rob. And then it was like school Rob and they were very yeah. different people. Um, so yeah, this quote, I, I really related to Adam. I'm trying to remember whenever, did we kind of start hanging out in like high school or was it some middle school too? Seventh grade, frosted tips, bro. Don't ever forget. <laughs> well, um, so I'd be curious to hear kind of your like interpret, like your like what you recall. Um, but in elementary school and and in sixth grade, I was just like really quiet, like obedient kind of kid. Didn't speak up a lot in class, and I kind of started to realize like I could get attention by like making jokes and being kind of like a class clown, like not being as serious. And so this kind of started probably in sixth grade and then like got way more intense in seventh grade. And in seventh grade, I actually like almost failed classes. Um, whereas like in the past I was like a fairly straight A type student, but I really think that I'm like, I was someone who like I intentionally did bad and acted dumb to get attention from people. And I really feel like I got out of that phase, like after seventh grade and I started doing better academically, but I really feel like that was like, I was like, Oh, I, I wasn't really maybe the most athletic. I wasn't like, like among like other boys, I wasn't like, like bigger. Um, and so I was like, Oh, I can get attention by like being really goofy. And I remember like trying to get lunch detention, like pretty often just doing stupid stuff to get attention. I think uh, eighth grade is when we started hanging out more. And I think I remember you being a lot different between seventh and eighth grade. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No more frosted yeah. tips. Maybe I take, maybe I should take credit for that. You change it and becoming a better yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that I, I, part of it was me coming out of my shell a little bit. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. like there was a lot of, uh, a lot of good in that, but I also think yeah. that, yeah, there, there were some things that were just me being, I don't know, just seeking attention. Yeah, it's normal, I think, in middle school, too. I mean, it's a weird time. 
I can, I can definitely relate with various stages of my life. I've always felt to some extent that I have never, and I, I do say never like genuinely not trying to exaggerate. Um, I'll say oftentimes more often than not haven't necessarily fully fit in to the groups that I'm in per se. I transitioned from a private to public school in high school. And so going back to the previous conversation about sports, I felt like as a guy, sports and humor are ways to quickly fit in and be identified as cool or someone mm-hmm. worthy to yeah. spend time. Yeah. in. so that was, that was high school. And then like, yeah, just never feeling like I have fully fit in. Like, I don't know whether it was like, I think I, you know, even from a younger age, I took my spiritual walk pretty seriously. And so I, I never felt like I like necessarily always like fit in uh, like on the football team with some of the jokes that were being shared or all of you can probably relate to like in the fraternity I think one, at least one year I remember being called like the J crew or whatever, um, which is fine. But you know, <laughs> stuff like that where it's like, well, if I can be good at, if I can be good at sports or if I can be funny, that can compensate for the different values that I have that might make people feel uncomfortable or, <laughs> you know, fill in the blank or being the new guy at the school or yeah. being the new guy in the fraternity, whatever it is, I would say even now I can relate in one sense. And I don't want to dip into the second question too much about if we experience it more or less now, like older as we get older, but I do still feel the tension of wanting to fit in all the same. And humor is one of those ways and feeling like I'm not fully fitting in is one of those ways where it's like, let's go to humor. And that's a really quick way being sarcastic, feeling like you can vibe out the conversations that other people are having and fit in with the conversation. So I would say like now returning back to Oklahoma city. So it's like, well, if I can identify with them on OU sports and Oklahoma city thunder, And if I can pick up on the sarcasm and run with them on the jokes, then I can more easily kind of slide in and fit in. So I think it's something that I can think back as as far back as high school and freshman year and even experiences in junior high where I felt like I got picked on and using humor as a way to fit in even up till now. It just it might look a little bit different. My identity is less and more caring uh, about how wanting people's uh to care about me and like include me but at the there's always like some tension of wanting to fit in and humor is a way to do that yeah. yeah i can relate to using humor as a way to fit in but never thought about it that way it's always been you know subconsciously doing it you know just being an extreme introvert it's kind of a way to get out of your shell and be a little bit more extroverted, you know, using humor. Yeah. Just constantly thinking and being so introspective all the time. It's good to kind of get out of your head sometimes to be around people, but you're, you know, tend to isolate more and do more introverted things. It can be harder to be around people sometimes and using humor as a way to make it more comfortable. is a little easy. 
times. And I think it's just something that I've developed as a habit. I don't even think about it really. Yeah. I mean, obviously I can relate to a lot of this chapter. This is the chapter that I identify the most with having struggled with depression on and off. It's a really phenomenal way to deflect the way that you're feeling internally <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times it's not even like you're doing it knowing that you're just kind of doing it, you know, nobody's like thinking I'm going to say a joke to feel better. <laughs> you just kind of do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so it's, it's easier to put focus on making other people feel better because you don't want them to feel like you do. So, yeah. you know, watching somebody laugh or for me, you know, I do that, but also, you know, watching somebody get stronger or, healthier like get them literally out of pain or something you know it kind of helps my internal struggles yeah which i don't necessarily i think that's a good thing but i think if you're not i think like he says if you're using it as a way to neglect yourself that's when it's bad and so it's just kind of having that awareness it's i mean awareness is the most important thing you know for first step for any kind of issue but and that being said, like I, like I said, I am very introspective, so I don't personally avoid deep conversations. Obviously, I don't think I would be involved in this group if I did. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but it is something that I obviously still kind of battle with. And I don't know, I'm kind of, I don't want to get into some of this other stuff, but I'll wait. But uh, that's my two cents yeah. on that. Well, I'm, and I think like, like one thing as, as you're talking, Adam, that I can relate to, it's like, but can you go to the deeper levels? Like, can you go into the deeper conversations and stuff? And I've definitely seen, seen you that way. But I think there was a friend that I had in high school that I was thinking about during this chapter. Hilarious guy. Like, really good guy. Spent a lot of time with him. Played music with him. Um, really always enjoyed me around him. But he was someone that he was just constantly, constantly, constantly joking. And I would say it was... I knew him for probably a good year, year and a half till we started having like more deep conversations about like his life and, and such. And it, it really made me realize, like, as I was reading this chapter, I kind of thought on, like, I, I compared him and put him in kind of the shoes of Robin Williams there. And I was like, oh, I think maybe, you know, maybe he just, had, you know, kind of more internal dialogue and kind of chose humor to kind of cover that up. Because I don't know if you guys have had a friend like that where you feel like, you just can't have a serious conversation. And so it's great to have people in your life, friends in your life that bring you a lot of like joy with your laughter. But having a friend for several years that that was all like joking was so constant. It was kind of tiring at times. There was times where I was like, all right, let's get serious for a second here. And, uh, actually having like real conversations. And, um, I really, for the first time, in this reading, I was like, oh, maybe it kind of like like a like a light bulb kind of off of like, oh, that was probably what was going on in that situation. I never thought of myself as a really funny person, but I would definitely use humor to avoid awkward situations or conversations or to make myself feel better, feel better about myself. And it's kind of funny to think about the humor that we had in middle school. Like, Garrett, you can probably remember... <laughs> Half of my conversation in middle school was just quoting Anchorman or Dumb and Dumber <laughs> or Zoolander. And just like a group of guys <laughs> quoting the movie and 
I mean, it was very funny to me at the time, but I think it was so funny. <laughs> I'm still I quoting Gum and Powers, man. Oh, man. I have to tell one funny story. One that I will <laughs> never forget. I still think about it is like, I think we were in college and we were serving in the youth group and we were like doing something. We were working all day and like we, we were having a serious, it was a serious like d- day. We're working hard. And I was like, Hey, do you want to go grab lunch? And like, it was just so normally like, ah, I swallowed a big June bug on the way over here. I'm not really hungry. And like it, to this day yeah. it sticks with me about how like it was like a normal conversation and I just died and I never forget that. It was so good. So I'm really proud sorry of that for one. speaking over you. I just had to give you that shout out. So no, it was, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, looking back years ago, I think it was a way to avoid those awkward situations or uncomfortable moments for me because I use humor kind of as an icebreaker. Because if I don't know what to say, maybe I'll just quote Anchorman or quote Zoolander to get the conversation <laughs> rolling. But then, you know, conversation can come from that afterwards. Like it breaks the tension, it breaks the ice sure. to lead into other conversations. Matt, Matt, I did, I did quote Dumb and Dumber at least like 15 times over the past week. <laughs> Marianne, she, she doesn't think that she doesn't think that dumb humor is as funny as like, um, self-sabotaging humor. Like if someone like trips and falls, mm. she finds that more funny than um, dumb and dumber, mm. but man, Emily's there were the some way. dumb and dumber fans on the trip, but we were having a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Brooke just default guesses. Any movie quote I make is from dumb and dumber and 75% of the time she's accurate. Um, yeah. And I, I think like what we're all saying, th- those things are not, bad i mean icebreakers adding light like adding joy and life to people like those are all really good things let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors ladies if you're like me your man's silent farts cause serious strain on your relationship (laughs) the last thing you want after a hard day's work is to come home and have your house smelling like a cow patty well (laughs) let me introduce you to my friends at stink zap Stank Zap is the first air freshener that can also detect hydrogen sulfide, the chemical that causes your house to smell like a landfill. Plug it in just like you would your carbon monoxide detector and let it do the rest. Now you can look forward to coming home to a house that smells fresh and clean. It's not fair to you to have to wait for your man to mature and hold it in. Instead, treat yourself to the home aromas you deserve. Stank Zap. Rescuing marriages through the healing powers of fresh air. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Night drop. Bravo. Bravo. I'm like Genius. a little bit offended, but. <laughs> <laughs> and now back to the show. Some of you have hit on it already. And that kind of segues us to the next part of the recap. Talking about goodwill hunting for a minute is deflecting. And mm. what you said, Stalen, not being able to, it's not just about being humorous. It's can you, ultimately get to that conversation, the serious talks, uh, or is it just completely a mask so that you never have to dive into that? And so I've seen this movie once. It was a while ago, but the scene specifically that Lewis mentions is definitely worth a rewatch. So Will Hunting, which is Matt Damon's character, is clearly uncomfortable with just sitting with another man at the park, having a conversation about life. 
and tries to use humor as a wall with his counselor, Dr. Sean McGuire, which is played, oddly enough, by Robin Williams. Sean takes him to school in this scene, challenging Will about his lack of understanding of how complex and deep relationships and life can be. He calls Will cocky and scared, hiding behind his intellect. This scene teaches us about the wisdom learned through experiences and what it means to truly be open to others in our lives. It showcases that hiding behind the Joker mask is a sign of immaturity and being stuck in boyhood ways. So as we've all aged and gotten older, have you noticed yourself or men in your lives using humor more or less often? And do you see them, other men or yourself, using humor as a strategy to avoid deeper topics? I think, first off, Good Will Hunting is a phenomenal movie. Great movie. Adam and I probably watched that six or seven times together in middle school with our other friend, Brett. Our friend, Brett, could probably quote the whole movie. Um, (laughs) But one thing, as I read into this chapter and kind of think on this question, when adults, like adult men, like talk about other people, they'll... Like, what are the attributes or characteristics that they give them? So let's say you're like in a work setting and someone's like, hey, we're going to go work with so-and-so or, hey, have you met so-and-so? I feel like the most common thing that people say is he's a really funny guy. And I just think it's interesting as it like relates to this question, because it's almost like like that's like the phrase for like, oh, he's a good guy or like, oh, he's like qualified. But I almost find that it's like, or is there also maybe a component of that where that's maybe all you see someone as is like, oh, he just jokes a lot. And that's kind of fun. And as we, you know, as we've gotten older and such, I think Matt, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, how as, as we get older, we don't have as many friends. We don't interact with as many people. And mm-hmm. I think then because of that, it's like, I think it kind of feels sometimes like personalities become more caricatures where you know someone and you kind of stereotype them really quickly. You pick a few attributes and like that's who they are. And as you kind of alluded to that, that episode, maybe it is kind of our, like we're just more picky with friends as we get older or like those we interact with. But I also just, I find it very interesting that it's like the ultimate compliment for like men in our age, it's like, oh, he's a, that you don't know that well. Like ultimate comment for a man, you like don't really know that well. It's like, oh, he's a really funny guy. And I don't know. I, I think it was like interesting that I thought about when I was reading this chapter. I don't know if you guys noticed that, if you agree with that, but I just feel like that's yeah. a very common characteristic people are described guys by. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about it like that. Especially in dating. I think it makes sense. Like I've definitely heard that or referred to people as that before, at least in the workplace setting. I don't know. I I mean, Stalin, what you were saying about me in college where it's like, yeah, there's jokes to Rob and then there's like school Rob, like dialed in focused. And I think in the workplace setting, you're, you're probably less likely to be more like vulnerable and, um, like real with your coworkers because you're there to do the job and telling jokes and quoting dumb and dumber, um, you know, in between meetings or your day, like that kind of breaks it up a little bit. Right. Where it's like, I'm not really using co like coworkers as therapy buddies. Yeah. That's fair. Um, you know, like that. Yeah. Like I'm sure some people would say like, Oh, he's, super analytical or good with Excel or whatever. Right. But I think that, I think there's some truth in what you're saying about like, Oh, he's, he's a funny guy. Um, but 
I know you just asked that question, so I want to give it give time for people to answer the question. But I I did write down like a thought, and it kind of goes in with this question of you know when when we aren't doing well, and people ask us how are we doing, like are we honest with them? Do we tell them like hey I'm actually having like a really crappy day, and or like do we just put up the wall or the mask and tell a joke? I know like. I don't know, a month or so ago, I was having a pretty like crappy day. And I think I was pretty honest and like open with you guys about just like, dude, this, this day sucks. I'm kind of over it. Like just some crap happened here, some crap happened there. And like, you know, how many of us really say, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not doing great or no, actually I didn't have a good weekend. And then I'm interested with like, if someone were to answer that, how many of us would like stop and be like, Oh man, like, do you want to talk about that? Or do we just kind of blanket it and say, man, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, and then go on just something I was thinking about when, when reading this and kind of getting to that question a little bit. Yeah. Adam asked me that question. Adam Stalen asked me that question just this past Saturday and I was very appreciative of it. So thank you <laughs> Stalen. And it's like, it was one of those times where he just asked me how I was doing. I was like, yeah, I'm doing it's okay. Like, could be better. He's like, yeah, what's going on? And I was able to actually tell him and I, and I felt comfortable telling him what was actually yeah. bothering me. And I think it d- kind of depends on the person. Like you were saying, Stalin, like it depends on who I'm talking to. If I want to go deeper with that person or if I just want to make a joke and not be vulnerable with a person that I don't know quite as well. <laughs> I think, yeah, if it's someone that I don't know all that well or like coworkers like you guys are saying, I probably would lean more towards saying some kind of joke or just blowing it off rather than saying I'm not having a good day. Here's why. If it's a close friend, then I'd be more likely to go into that deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the point of this book club is to be vulnerable with people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably something that I should be more open about with people that I don't know quite as well. I think for me, this is an area where I have almost overcorrected in. Um, And that when I was younger, I used to isolate a lot. And I still do that sometimes. But wanting to avoid being the dark cloud in other people's lives is something that I used to struggle with a lot. It kind of ties back into that whole idea of like, you are in pain and you want to like make somebody laugh or feel better. <laughs> and that's something where I've overcorrected on. And now if somebody does ask me how I'm doing, if I just like, you know, they're not even like my friend, I'll tell them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's probably an overcorrection almost. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. That's uh I mean, Hey, I, they asked for it. Right. Well, I think, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Man, uh, I, I think as you, Matt, honestly, as you were talking, I, I, I think in a mind, I went to, I think that if a stranger asks me or someone I don't really know that well, I am pretty open with them. And I was like, I think Adam is too, because I feel like I've seen that in you. So, yeah. and again, it's like, yeah, is that good or bad? I, I don't know. I mean, I just had a, yeah, I had I think, a very deep, uh, sorry, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think for me, the honesty and getting it out there is more healing for me personally. So I would rather, rather be vulnerable and honest than like in that moment, I say a joke and then like 
that becomes the habit again. And then it's like, then yeah. I'm not, then I'm not authentic in me again. It's like, I don't know. So like if that person takes what I say, not well, well, they're probably not going to be in my life anyway. So it's like, you know what I mean? I think it's just better to be open and, and vulnerable. So there are probably, yeah, you know, situations that are, you know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to just, it takes less effort to make the joke in a way, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it takes effort to think of something corny or witty, but I shared at the beginning before we hit record, but I shared a couple episodes back when we were discussing the sexual mask, a couple things I'd never shared before. And I don't think I realized how much that had kind of weighed on me subconsciously. And it ties into this in the sense of what you're saying of when I shared that being open, like realizing, Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not isolated. And that kind of can be something that you do when you are depressed or you're sad is you actually isolate more. So you like when Robin Williams coped sometimes the author talked about how he rode bikes or still did isolating experiences mm-hmm. where he was, still wasn't opening up mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. So no one knew the pain he was going through. And that was something that really stuck out to me. So it takes more effort and it's a lot scarier and more vulnerable, but the ROI, the return on investment is so much greater for both parties, right? Cause someone gets to be the recipient and being a listener, hopefully encourage you be someone that shows they care about you that's a really meaningful thing on both sides. Mm-hmm. Answering the yeah. question, getting back to the kind of the basis of the question, like getting older, have we seen humor used more or less often? I'll yeah. share, I'll share something like a different take spending time overseas and living in a different culture, living in China total for a year and a half when I studied abroad in college. And then, uh, while I worked over there for a year, I would say I don't want to like over, be over dramatic, but I did spend enough time there that I think has played in a lot of where, what I shared earlier of how I felt like I don't always fit in is coming back as like a third culture person. If you've heard that phrase where you're not like hundred percent, like your American Midwest culture that you grew up in. You're not obviously like I was only there a year and a half. There's no way I'd fully integrate into Chinese culture but I've taken some things from my time in China and that's impacted me and how I see the world and my worldview. And one of the things that was the hardest thing to reintegrate was the sarcasm in American culture. Mm -hmm. It was very, very difficult for me. I think a lot of it had to do with the job that I was in, but I think about it now and I still work at a pretty humorous place, like or sarcastic place. It's, it's different. It completely is. But at the same time, at least my experience in China, Matt, I don't know what, if you would agree or disagree, at least in Chinese culture. Like, that guy's amazing. You're, you're, yes. You've been to China though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. And you know, with your mom and grandparents, there's definitely humor. Of course, people laugh all the things, but in general, if someone's sarcastic in China, they're making a legitimate insult at you. Hmm. Uh, And I mean, Matt, would you agree? Yeah. From what I remember, I would agree with that. It was, it was difficult to be sarcastic with people over there. Hmm. 
Like I would, I would, I remember in school trying to say like, Hey, in America, we would let, we'll say like, are you serious? Or like, really? Like if you're like making it and they're like, what? Like they, they, they couldn't even comprehend. Like, <laughs> like, that seems like, mean. Yeah. It's just like, that's just, weird. why would you say that? Like, like sarcasm wasn't really a thing. It was very direct, honest conversation. And if you would say something sarcastic or offhand, it was typically like you're, you're, it's a legitimate insult. And so coming back, it was very difficult. The job I was in, I think there were, I think going back to the book, I don't want to, I could have misjudged, but I think some of my coworkers had some underlying insecurities and it, they projected themselves by just constantly making jokes. But to your point, Stalen, I could not have like, a normal conversation that lasted more than a few seconds is what it felt like. And mm-hmm. that was very difficult for me. So I don't know if it's become more or less, but I do recall certain instances where it's been very hard for me to adapt. And there have been moments where I haven't felt like I've been able to fit in because I just want to have a serious conversation. And a lot of people around me just love sarcasm and humor. And I've had to like really add sarcasm back to my vernacular to try to fit in more. So it's, it's a weird situation at times. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point, Garrett. Um, one thing just as I'm reflecting right now and just kind of speaking on that significant piece of sometimes even feeling less significant at work, whether somebody beat me to, uh, analysis that I wanted to do or a cool new report or something <laughs> like that. And it, it, it almost makes me feel like, damn, I'm, I'm slipping, you know, and I've noticed that some of my humor, um, has started to turn into like passive aggressiveness, um, where I'm like poking at people and it's almost like a defense mechanism because I don't want to feel less significant or less relevant. So I will poke at them and it's definitely created some rub uh, between me and, and one coworker specifically where we kind of take jabs at each other. And we know that it's like love because we, we know that we both respect each other's like hustle and craft and grind. But at the same time, like there's been times where it's like, dude, get off my butt. Like you ain't got nothing on me. And then there'll be times where he's like, Rob, drop it, let it go. And I, and I can't. Um, and I think, I don't know. Um, that's, there's definitely been some friction and, and rub with, you know, my humor has even at times turned into passive aggressiveness, um, which has been a good reflection for me over the past six months. I would say that, man, I, I, I don't want to be that guy that people are like, Oh, Rob's good at what he does, but he's kind of hard to deal with. Um, and I'm not sure that, that that guy would disagree with, with what I just said. He would probably agree with what I just said. In the chapter, Lewis Howes, he points to that specifically, Rob. He says the people who make fun with someone else are really deflecting their own insecurities oh. in, onto that person. Mm. Mm. Hurt people hurt mm. other people. Come on, Rob. Yeah. I, I think and it, can relate to there was also the reference yeah, to, there was also the reference of how the, the mom talking about her son and how they would say these horrible things to each other and they'd say, just kidding. Or I think other two common phrases you also hear are no offense or I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I think that the, like the, like Rob in your scenario, I could see where 
you're like poking at your coworker <laughs> and I could see, and then I'm not saying this of you, but I can like, I play that situation out in my mind and it's like, yeah, if someone's being passive aggressive and then the person who, who is kind of being sarcastic, if the other person gets fed up with it, they'll just say like, come on, man, like, like leave me alone on that. And then the person who's being sarcastic, like then is in the spot where they can say, Oh, I was just messing with you. And like basically put it back on the other person of like, Hey, don't get offended. And it's really, I mean, I I don't know. Like I always, my my mom, um, she says, she will say no offense and uh, she listens to this, to this podcast. So I can say the story and uh, old Mary Stalen will be able to hear and appreciate this, but hi Mary. She, she used to do this. No offense. I feel like pretty often. And so I will then intentionally like say really mean things and say no offense. <laughs> so I'm like, mom, you don't look that great today, but no offense. <laughs> and it's like, you can't, you literally Damn. can't be offended now. Because I said yeah. no offense. And she's like, you know, take care. Wait, love, love you, mom. Love you, mom. <laughs> you play too much. Makes you play too much. Another Will Ferrell movie where it's the Ricky Bobby one where he's talking to like the owners of the car and he's like, or the, the car company. He's like, with all due respect, he's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. He's like, well, yeah, it does. I said, with all due respect. <laughs> 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 saying it respectfully um anyone else have any more topics on or thoughts on that yeah i was just gonna bring that back to my current time yeah being in sales i think i use humor just way too often like walk into a clinic and sometimes it's easier to pop a joke instead of asking the question you know instead of asking yeah. the uncomfortable question uh, you know, the sales stuff, but it's easier to ask, a, you know, say a funny joke and then totally forget why you were there and leave and be like, oh, dang it. <laughs> but I, feel but, like, uh, I feel like you're so like, I feel like you're so relational though, Adam, mm-hmm. that you're doing yeah. that to like build that bridge. I mean, maybe yeah. there is something behind yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. What would, and I'm curious, I want to prod, what would be the uncomfortable question? Just asking for the business, you know, literally. Oh, okay. So you're saying, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then I think I kind of agree with what Stanley's saying in that instance. Like, yeah. yeah, you're just trying to, like, relational building is super valuable, but I, I don't know. If, yeah. Yeah. Only you know yeah. the situation. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but yeah. Pushing you're back right. a little bit there, just in the yeah. sense that humor has really good places, but for sure. Yeah. 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 Shout out to my mom. She is also here. Uh, visiting. So I do want to move on to the next question, if that's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, if it's all right else. with your mom. Rob, yes. do you want to shout out to your mom too? <laughs> Robbie! <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> oh, man. Hi, mom. Uh, man. All right. Getting to the end of the chapter, the author talks about the benefits of removing the mask which are deeper relationships, worthiness, richer experiences with others, healing, connection, and so on. Uh, This all sounds great, but what does this look like practically to take off the Joker mask for you? I just want to read on page 138. So he's talking about gets you what you've always wanted, which is acceptance for being the opposite of what you've always been different so like so much of 
the Joker mask can be like, Oh, to fit in or, Oh, to stay relevant or whatever. Right. But embracing like who you are and just being different and not necessarily caring what others think of you. Like I I think sometimes I'm taking off the Joker mask and being like, Hey, yeah, like I might not be hiding behind a bunch of pain. I just like to make jokes and quote dumb and dumber and be funny and try and make people laugh. And I'm kind of unapologetic about it where, yeah, some of my jokes might cross the line and there's opportunity for growth in that. And especially in my marriage, when my wife wants to go deep and I just want to make a joke and um, she doesn't obviously appreciate it. Um, especially in serious settings. But, um, Rob needs stinks. Yeah. I, I, what's that? Rob needs stink zap. <laughs> Aliens app. Oh, did you miss the ad earlier that Brooke read? No, but that might be a good segue for my next ad. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. All right. Are your kids disobedient and don't listen to you? Are you tired of yelling zip it in uncomfortable settings like in church, at the movies, or in other public settings? Now introducing Zip It. Zip It is essentially a noise-canceling N95 mask that draws out the sound of your annoying kids. Why let your kids embarrass you when you can zip them up with Zip It? Zip It. Loving your kids by keeping them quiet. Disclaimer, Zip It is not responsible for any physical or mental harm experienced by children. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Oh, I don't know, Garrett. I might have gotten off topic. um, I think by taking off the Joker mask, I have also realized that um, I just like having fun, man. And I think that I can... uh, Yes, look myself in the mirror and realize that there are opportunities where I need to not rely on um, my jokes or my personality. But at the same time, I'm kind of unapologetic about just wanting to have fun with people. Yeah. For this one, it's it's maybe twofold. Um, this mask is not really one I, I feel like I really have a lot of issues with this time. Um, but I would say there definitely are scenarios where, uh, maybe if I'm like meeting newer people where I might like default to like being like the funny guy, kind of maybe as I was like kind of referring to earlier. And so I think sometimes using that as like a primary way to, um, build a relationship is, is for me, it's maybe not always the best thing. I think there's time, time, place for that. But I think, so that's kind of for me on the personal side of work on, but I think also, um, the other side of it is when you see a friend or when I've, you know, have a friend that is kind of just like making jokes about fairly serious topics, like just kind of like probing a little bit. And, you know, if someone has a joke that seems very deflective, kind of just engaging in that and like kind of trying to get behind is, is there anything behind that? And, you know, when you ask someone like, Hey, how are you doing? Actually like listening. And if someone just gives you like the basic answers, like maybe it's more to it. Maybe, maybe there's not, but I think just being a part of like letting other guys also feel as though they don't have to always be on. I think, um, I think sometimes we just feel like we have to like always be like performing and always be on top of things. And so maybe like, you know, we use humor to rest and not engage in more of a conversation. There's places for that too. But, um, I think you're just kind of stepping into places where you feel like someone is just using humor as a way to not engage in a deeper conversation that maybe should be had. And maybe that's not something that's going to happen all the time, but on occasion, something to kind of look into. Yeah. I think, 
taking off the Joker mask for me, it, it would present an opportunity for more vulnerability and deeper relationships, like you were saying. I think I use humor as a way to deflect going into those deeper topics. And there, there are a couple of instances with my wife where one side is I was using the Joker mask in a bad way, but I think it could be also used for good. So, for example, I don't remember what we we're fighting about, but Emily and I years ago were in an argument about something. I honestly don't remember what it was about, but I remember the next morning we were just not really talking to each other, just angry and not wanting to really be around each other because we were just mad. It was probably something that I did, <laughs> but um, I would try to like make a joke in that moment just to ease the tension. And that was me trying to bring humor into a bad situation where it could have been an opportunity for me to you know, actually have a real conversation with my wife and get down to working through whatever it was we were fighting through. Uh, I would say that was the wrong time to use humor. But then on the flip side, I think, yeah, there's definitely a time and place to use jokes. There is another instance where, to be very serious, uh, it was after we had a miscarriage. And the days and weeks after that, just the feeling of emptiness. This was before we had Lucy and Annie. And so we... We're just very, very sad that we had gone through a miscarriage and um, feeling like something was missing in our lives afterwards and just the the feelings of helplessness and not knowing what to do. But I remember there was a moment we were just like sitting on the couch, tears in our eyes, crying, and I made a joke and we both just started laughing for like minutes <clears throat> And it was great. Like it just put us in a happier mood. We were able to talk through our feelings a little bit easier at that point and just be honest with each other. Like uh, it helped us be able to speak in that moment of sadness using that joke, whatever it was broke the ice and we were able to talk to each other and tell each other how we were feeling in that moment. And yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. My only comment here is I would agree and be say I'm in the position that Flez shared. I think I have overcorrected a little bit now that I've shared a little bit of background with my time overseas and stuff that might make a little bit more sense. But yeah, sometimes I can try to just like, I don't want to say force serious conversations, but just like, hey man, how you doing? No, like, are you really doing okay? Like just kind of like press into the issue of like, you know, it's eight 30 on a Monday morning at the office. Like the guy <laughs> just wants to get his coffee. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, man. Get yeah. off my ass. Um, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but in all serious, like in seriousness. So I think there are some times where it's like, look, sarcasm is part of American culture. Humor isn't bad. It's okay to crack jokes and be sarcastic and being aware that like, Hey, grabbing coffee at the start of the day, isn't the time to have a serious conversation. And then I'd also say on the flip side, having the awareness 
when there is the opportunity to have a serious conversation. I can think of times Matt's example is really good. There are times when my wife and I are having a serious conversation and I will try to crack a joke and it's like not appropriate at all. She's like, no, no, I, I want you to listen to me like that. I'm not trying to be funny right there now. There will be you know zero I mean? laughing right now. Yeah, but I won't have that awareness because I either just, I don't know why, but sometimes I just don't have that awareness. So I would say it's also, I, I almost have overcorrected on both ends where it's like, I need to lighten up. I need to be okay with a little bit more sarcasm in my life. And then also when those opportunities come, because they do with friends or with my wife, things like that. Those are the times when to really hone in and be grateful for those opportunities and not try to screw it up by making jokes that are at inappropriate times. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm just kind of going back a little bit on this, but I can think of a time when I made fun of people in a positive way, ironically. But when I worked nights for FedEx during the pandemic, I think we're getting, we're all getting crushed. Okay. With just all kinds. I mean, it just was a crazy time trying to get everything out in the city of St. Louis. Just everybody was insane. But uh, we were all driving around till 10 o'clock at night doing all this, you know. So everybody's on the belt before we go out. And, you know, everybody starts complaining about everything. You know, everything's coming down. And I'm that goofball dude from the King of Queens. Like, (laughs) have you seen that show? Yeah. But, uh... (laughs) Yeah, I just, I just yeah, start, so I just start roasting everybody, and I mean everybody's laughing, and it's like it's hilarious. But I'm just, I'm just digging into everybody, and uh, <laughs> but like it made it not as bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. like that's that, but that's you know there are times where it's yeah. not healthy, but I think that's you know not, no, always, not always a bad thing, but yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think for me taking off the the Joker mask and kind of sitting in discomfort has been something I've gotten better at. I I have to be very intentional about it um, by like doing a lot of meditation and just being able to sit in silence and kind of feel it kind of helps me with healing in 31 (laughs) sometimes (laughs) or not. But yeah, I mean, it's just taking off the Joker mask has helped with healing and connection for sure. And, especially in emotional relationships can tend to sometimes be harder for me to open up uh, in those situations. Not so much with you guys, but like in those kind of situations, it can be a little uncomfortable when starting a relationship with somebody and, you know, wanting to tell them, like, do I tell them this part of my life or do I not? And kind of navigating that can be kind of hard sometimes. And so, um, takes time to learn throughout your dating life, um, kind of figure it out along the way, make mistakes, learn from them. And, uh, but yeah, I think it ultimately good to have fun. You know, I quote movies from the nineties still all the time too, (laughs) 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 but then eventually you kind of have to take that mask off if you're going to be in a healthy, you know, intimate relationship, you know, that's something that's been tough, but when you find the right, I think when you find the right person, they take it well, and you know, it just just kind of happens in there. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but those are the those are the things yeah. that have helped me personally. That's great, man. Yeah. That wraps up our episode for the Books Brothers podcast. Next week, the Bros will review and discuss the Invincible Mask. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet, buy or borrow the Mask of Masculinity and follow along with us. Please subscribe and give us a review. 
we would really appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or family member who you'd think would get something out of it. Finally, we'd love to hear from you. If you are challenged by our conversation or have any questions or feedback, email us at connect at booksbrotherspodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Until then, read, reflect, and connect.